coming to visit Thyatar. But Thyatar, just like Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, guess what? Was found in idolatry. Right? So Thyatar had what was called trade guilds. Right? And trade guilds, to them, and I'll, I'll, I'll modernize it, will be our typical labor unions. Right? So they had trade guilds because they had different trades such as uh, bronze smiths, blacksmiths, uh, people who did wool, linen. So a lot of trade came through there. A lot of people passing through would come through there. And they also had um, what was called uh, dye, purple. And they would actually, what, what we don't realize is purple dye back in that time was actually expensive because you can get it, for, you would have to get it from a snail, right? And you gotta imagine that that's not an easy thing to do, right? But what Thyatara discovered was you can get it also an imitation purple from a plant. So it was low cost, and they were able to mass produce it. And with that, they were able to become wealthy with that, right? So same thing with the, with the uh, blacksmiths and the bronzemiths. So those are the two biggest trade guilds. So the problem with the trade guilds was this. They will have sexual immorality and idolatry there. Why? Because it was a normal way of living. Remember, I talked about that last week. It was a normal way of living. So what would happen is, in order to be successful in business, you will have to belong to these trade guilds. So just like with the labor unions, see, it's bigger up north, so when you're around a union, if you don't join a union, now you're kind of isolated, right? Or if a union goes on strike and then you try to cross that picket line, people that's part of the union, they're going to have issues with you, right? So now if you were to be an apprentice, guess what? You will have to come up under these, these uh, trade guilds and, they, and, they, and then you have to do the things that they were doing, which would do what? Cause problems for believers, right? So you would have to get into idolatry, because they would have all these gatherings, just like we would have labor union meetings, they would have these trade guild meetings. And then the, the, these people would do all sorts of things there. You know, they would get drunk, they would, they would worship idols and things like that, and commit all sorts of sexual immorality there. And again, that presents a conflict to the born-again believer, all right? So now, Thyatira is only mentioned one other time in the Bible. So let's talk about somebody that came from Thyatira. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16 first. So remember when I talked about the purple, uh, the purple guy. Acts chapter 16, verse 11. And we'll go down to verse 15. Alright, Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 11, and reading from the New King James. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on a Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened up her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, "If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay." So she persuaded us. So Lydia, Lydia was actually a successful businesswoman. Right when we look up churches. Lydia was a successful businesswoman, and we see Sulla die because that's where her business came from. 
However, what we don't realize is Lydia was actually the first European convert. So you're talking about a successful businesswoman who was wealthy, who opened up a house to the Apostle Paul and other people. So obviously she had a good-sized house, right? And was the forerunner for Christian Christianity in Europe. Right? What I didn't mention is this. With Diotara, most historians believe that the Apostle Paul went there when he spent three years in Asia Minor, but most of the time he spent in Ephesus. Right. So, again, what I noted about Diotara, there was idolatry there, there was mysticism there. The, the Greek god that, or Roman god that they worshipped was Apollos there, right? So now, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, uh, excuse me, 18. Alright, so, here, before we go, uh, Ephesus and Pergamos, Jesus called them to repentance. But as we get to Thyatira, repentance, the time is up. He had already given them time for repentance. Alright, so, beginning at verse 18. Now, remember what I said about the, the, uh, the brass smiths, the bronze smiths, the copper smiths, the blacksmiths. Uh, all being at Thyatira. So we have to understand Jesus spoke to them, introduced himself in a language, in a name that they would understand. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. So that has two meanings right there. So you heard me talk about in order to do get brass to melt, we need what? Bronze to melt. We need for, what? Fire, right? So he's talking to them in a language that they can understand. So, if we think back to the church that was that had lost their first love in Ephesus, he identified himself as the one in charge of all the churches. To the suffering and persecuted church of Smyrna, he identified himself as a conqueror of death. Why? So they wouldn't fear death. Right? For the infiltrated church in Pergamos, he addressed himself as the word of God, by which all things must line up. So, in here, to the he introduces himself as the son of God. And it's the only time in Revelation he, he introduced himself as the son of God. Right? So, the flame of fire, this is not the first time we see this, right? We saw it in Revelation chapter 1. We also see it in the book of Daniel. So, that flame of fire also has another meaning. Meaning, he's looking for that bringing judgment. Right? That's what that flame of fire means. The eyes of flame of fire. He's bringing judgment. And the feet of bronze means purity. That's what he's expecting his body to be. Pure. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Right? Because as long as we're in this human flesh, Phil mentioned it before service, and we stay in this world, we're going to make mistakes. Right? But again, you, you, you hear me talk about we have to experience, we experience that cutting. Right? When we, cut, when we experience that cutting, that is a good thing. That's when we call for repentance. We ask for forgiveness of those things. And that's what we have to remember. Alright, so let's go to uh, let's see. Alright. 19. Just like the other church. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. So let's stop right there. So, depending on your translation, that word works is actually meaning the love, service, faith, and patience. Right? So we know right now. That sounds like a good church. That sounds like a good church. Why? They have service. Right? They have love, they have patience, and they have faith. 
These are all things that we talk about as believers as a church. They have all these things. Right? And, and what makes it even better, because we know whether it's churches or whether it's Christians, sometimes we start out hot and then we get cold. But he's saying, look, your works, the last, are more than the first. In other words, they got harder as time went on. Which is what we would expect from the life of a believer or even a church. But we don't always see that, right? Because we, we, we start to get lukewarm sometimes, right? But he's committing it for that because that is a good thing. And understand this. When I, remember when I said that they were small and they would be considered to be insignificant? What I did say this, I don't, I don't think I said it, is this is the longest letter out of all the seven churches. The smallest and insignificant. It lets us know that no matter how insignificant we think we are, Jesus knows. Amen. So we are never insignificant to the Lord. And that's what we always have to remember. Right? There, there may be moments of silence, things that we may go through, but Jesus is aware of what we're going through. He knows our hearts. Yeah. Right? So we can fool people, but we can't fool the Lord. Character, whatever it is. But what we have to understand is this. 
Jezebel in the Old Testament was a woman, but that, that character, that nature, today can be a woman or a man. Right? So let's, let, let's go over some of the um, characteristics of Jezebel. One, I already said one, that it could be found in either both, it could be found in both men and women. It causes control, manipulation, and domination. It has a desire to control the surroundings, the people, and doesn't produce self-control. Number three, it causes fear, flight, and discouragement. Think about this. Jezebel never killed Elijah. But she called Elijah to become discouraged. Why? Because of a threat. Elijah just defeated all the... God worked through him to defeat all these prophets of Montcalm. All these false prophets. They had victory. And then Israel... And we, Israel at that time, he told them, go ahead and kill him. And they killed him, slaughtered him. And so she sends a messenger to Elijah and says, this time tomorrow, the same will happen to you. So Elijah flees. He becomes discouraged and he flees. And he becomes discouraged. He's thinking he's the only one. Because that's what that spirit would do. It causes us to get discouraged. But see, Elijah had reason to believe. He should have known he wasn't the only one. Because Ahab's servant, Obadiah, just told him that he had a hundred true prophets that he was hiding in a cave. But Elijah forgot about that. Why? Because of the fear. Now, these same people that have this fast forward today, there's some people in churches today that will enter a church and cause people to get discouraged and to flee the church. They'll come in, they'll try to seek position, they suck up to the pastor, and they try to find out who's in charge. And that, that, that nature, however you want to say it, the nature, spirit, whatever you want to say, comes in and it discourages the people. Right? We were in the church one time and uh, family came in <laughs> and the wife had characteristics of a Right? She came in and she's trying to figure out who was in charge. Right? And, and, and trying to suck up to them. Started sucking up to the pastor, buying the pastor, all these sorts of things. And the pastor hadn't known them that long. Right? But then all of a sudden, Pastor allowed them to watch the kids. Right? Now, what it did was it brought discouragement to some of the members of the congregation. Right? Because this woman started to take over. Right? You had one person that was in charge of one area of the ministry, and she started to take over that, that area of the ministry. It caused that person to leave. Because that's what that Jezebel spirit would do. Right? It caused other people to get discouraged. And then we'll be in service, and then you'll hear people talk, oh, Pastor, no, Pastor's going to take care of it. No, Pastor wasn't concerned about it. As long as he got his free coffee, he wasn't concerned about it. As long, and, and, and I knew this family, and I told the Pastor they need to sit. But probably let them sit for a couple weeks, and that's about it. And then guess what happened? A lot of people left the church. And then what? After these people leave the church, guess what? This family leaves the church. See, and, 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 and it, it comes in, it deceives, and, and it's not just up to the past. It's for all of us to be on lookout, right? It's all of us to be to have discernment in those things. 
There's some things I just may not see. I'll be honest, I miss some things. My wife will come in and she'll tell me something. And I'm like, well, I, I, I'm not paying attention to that. I expect an amen from her for that. <laughs> she missed the opportunity. <laughs> Point number four, it seduces and provokes sexual immorality. So he says it in, right here in, uh, in Revelation 2.20. You allow Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants and commit sexual immorality. Now, we got to think back to Israel. In the Old Testament, we have to understand, adultery wasn't just physical adultery. It was spiritual adultery. If you chased after idols, guess what? You were committing adultery on God. Amen. Right? And, and, and look, and in my opinion, if you listen to false teaching, you're committing adultery. Mm. Why? Because the Word of God is Jesus. Amen. The Word of God is alive. So now when we start to mix dead things with the Word, now we start to chase those things, just like the money, being a millionaire, chasing the mansions, where it has nothing to do with the Word of God. Right? Just like the email I read a couple weeks ago. Right? It had nothing to do with the Word of God. But now you start having believers, the Lord's servants, believe in those things. And that ought not to be. But that's committing adultery. That's, why, that's how important it is not to listen to these false teachers. So, we've seen in churches where pastors, guess what? They fall. Right? They may sleep with a woman, do something, and they fall. So what we have to understand is this. And we will look at it and we'll leave the church, right? But what happens is this. We're like, we have to understand, it doesn't just affect that pastor. It affects not only members, but more importantly, it affects God. Right? So let's turn to 2 Samuel. Hold on, let me see. I, think. I believe it's verse 12. I mean chapter 12. Chapter 12. This is after uh, David's sin with uh, Bathsheba. I know we're all familiar with that story. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. It's not just David, but blaspheme the Lord. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Verse 15, then Nathan departed to his house. See, so you heard me mention, I don't know if it was last week or uh, Wednesday, I can't remember, but talked about most people don't go to church. Most of the lost don't go to church because of God. They don't go to church because of the saints. How we carry ourselves, how we act, the things that they see, right? So, even when we were meeting in the house, there was a lady that came, and her, her and her family used to go to one church, and uh, I knew about the church uh, because somebody I know attended that church when it happened. But the pastor fell; he got caught in the hotel room with a prostitute. Then he came back and tried to deny that it actually happened, but it did. So what happened was, it caused her husband. 
to not want to go to church at all. Look no further than the rock. Look how many people decided not to go to church anymore. Right? All because of one. It's not even, it wasn't even one man's deeds because a lot of people were involved in that knew what was going on. Right? So now, these people are not even serving God anymore. Right? So, again, that's how crucial our walk is. Right? And again, the blood on our hands when we do those things. Right? These are things that we have to take into account. Right? So, the moment you think you're about to sin, you better think about the blood that's going to be on your hands. That's how serious it is. And there's no such thing as the devil may be doing. If it is, then we need to cast that demon out of you. <laughs> <laughs> we the house for it. <laughs> right. uh, point number five. Uh, that Jezebel, nature, character, teaches false doctrine. So Jezebel had full control over the religion there. Right? And here's the thing. She didn't tell it. She destroyed. She tried to kill all the prophets. But she didn't have a problem with Israel still worshiping God as long as they were still worshiping Baal. Right? So she was fine with them with an in-between. In-between. Right? Again, false doctrine. That's what it's going to It's going to give you some truth, but it's also going to give you false. It loves leadership positions. These people have no problem trying to come to gain a leadership position. They're not concerned about getting closer to the Lord. They just want a leadership position so people can serve them. So they're going to have full control. Not realizing the scriptures teaches the higher you go up, the more you should serve. Amen. Right? So if we're looking to get in a leadership position for people to serve us, then we're wrong. Right? And it's not about getting a title. It should never be about getting a title because, again, you should do the work. You should do the work without the title. If you're called, you're called. Plain and simple. Yeah. And by the way, there's no such thing as regular church goals. What else? It thrives on the weak leadership. Wherever there's Jezebel, there's always an Ahab. Ahab was a weak leader. I'm not going to say what I said in the last year. <laughs> But Ahab was a weak leader. He, he I, I mean, he would act like a baby. So even when I, and I, I forgot the, uh, the the vineyard uh, owner's name, he 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 wanted, I think it was Nabal or something. But he wanted that vineyard, and when Nabal said, "No, I'm not selling it to you," he went home and caught a temper tantrum. So Jezebel decides to set him up to go get him killed, so Ahab can get it. But that's how. Jezebel works. They're only going to be effective when you have a weak leader. And they emasculate the man. Right? Because you'll see some couples where the man is not strong. The man has no authority, but the woman is in control of everything. And just like I talked about that couple, that's how it was. The man was quiet, passive. The woman was doing everything, telling him what to do. That's what that Jezebel character is going to do. Alright, going back to uh, Revelation. So, she was a false prophetess, right? Because it says here in verse 20, 
she called herself a prophetess. We can't call ourselves anything. God, could, God tells us what we are. He calls us to it. Right? And the reason why many people don't understand that calling is because we don't seek God. Right? So we read in Acts with uh, Ephesus where Paul told the elders, when he called for the elders to come from Ephesus, he said, whom the Holy Spirit made you overseers of that church. Right? So the Holy Spirit did that. But Jesus is the one that calls whoever to the fivefold ministry. And that goes back to we got people trying to go into the fivefold ministry. They haven't been called. We don't choose it. We get chosen. All right? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 that there will be many false prophets that will rise up. And he's talking about the end times. But this has been like this since the beginning of time. And see, we always have to be careful, and I think I talked about this probably at the house. We always got to be careful when everybody is unified sometimes. Because we see in the Bible, whenever the false prophets were speaking, they were unified. And the one that always got treated like a black sheep was the one true prophet. And they got isolated, got thrown in prison. Right? Look no further in Kings. I think it's the 21st or 22nd chapter of 1 Kings. Jehoshaphat, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, hey, can you uh, join us? And he said, yeah, no problem. He said, but do you have any prophets that, will, that, that, that can speak on what we should do? And I'm paraphrasing all this. So, he calls for all his prophets. All the prophets say, yeah, go ahead. The Lord's going to give us victory. Jehoshaphat must have had some discernment. He said, well, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Ahab goes, well, there's this one. But he always has something negative to say about it. <laughs> so Jehoshaphat said, let's go hear what he has to say. All right, go get him from the prison. Locked him up, right? So he sends a messenger to go to, to go get the prophet. I think Micaiah, I think. So the messenger goes in, look, don't say nothing bad about, about the leader. Right? Micaiah says, I will say and speak what the Lord has me to speak. Amen. Amen. True prophet will say, right? Amen. So he goes there, and guess what? Ahab does not like what he says. He says to Jehovah, see, I told you. He always says something negative about it. Right? And then one of Ahab's servants ends up smacking him. Ask the spirit, who told you that? Who smacked you? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's going on. Right? So, Micaiah says, okay, well, well, we will see. If you're not running and you're hiding, <laughs> by this time, we will see that I'm not true. I'm a false prophet. And he lets them know that Ahab's going to get killed in battle. And see, Ahab knew what what uh what the opponent what the enemy was going to do, so what he does what he does is because what the enemy what, what the other king told them to do who they were going to want to battle with. Don't go after anybody big or small. Just go after the king. So Ahab tells Jehoshaphat says, "Hey, I'm gonna dress up and soldiers. You put on your purple robe and you go out there as the king." So they start chasing Jehoshaphat first. So Jehoshaphat's running, he screams, and they realize that's not who they're looking for, because they're looking for Ahab. And then somebody, just by chance, the Bible says, shoots an arrow, and he strikes Ahab. 
Now they've already been prophesied that they have the, the dogs are going to lick his blood. So he bleeds out the chariot. And they take the chariot to get it clean. And as they clean it, here come the dogs licking the blood. Because who was the true prophet? But you had all these other prophets telling him something. And the same thing with Jeremiah. They all ganged up, but nobody wanted to listen to Jeremiah. So be careful. Unity is not always a good thing. <laughs> Amen. All right. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So again, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's why I said there's no such thing as a church goal. Right? Jesus gives these because the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to make mature believers. Right? But we have a lot of immature believers in the world today. It's just been like this since the early church. Actually, the early church was more on fire than we were. But you don't need to have a title to start a woman's group. You don't need to have a title to start a woman's prayer or a man's prayer. You don't need a title to do those things. Just do it. Just do it and be faithful and do it unto the Lord. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again. Once again, we have immature. And see, even in church today, we're not even into unity of faith. We got one believer in this, one believer. I bet all these churches here, we probably got five different beliefs. At all these churches. Right here on this strip, we got about five different beliefs. That's not unity of faith. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plot. So we should not be deceived by those things. Right? So my wife mentioned to me Sunday that she turned on the TV and she, she listened to uh, this preacher at uh, this church, and I don't know who it was, but he started talking about uh, politics, right? So I'm talking about politics, on how Christians should be uh, upset or something like that, and, and, and involved in politics, and how Jesus was a politician. Well, she knew right off the bat that that wasn't correct. And guess what? He even went to Revelation chapter 3. We haven't gotten through yet, but we, we're going to get there. <laughs> but I think it was a good-sized church. I didn't see it. Was it? Good-sized church. These are people who are hearing all this, right? And that's not the only church. But that's not even scriptural, what he's saying. Same thing with the email that I read. That wasn't even scriptural. What that person was saying. Right? But we should be able to hear that because he says here, we should no longer be children. See, children believe anything. They're innocent for the most part. They believe anything. Right? Tossed to and fro and carried about with everyone the doctrine. That again is a mature believer. So stop looking at certain things on YouTube that don't line up with the word of God. And the same thing with these YouTubers who all they do is talk about false teachers all the time. Right? And they go back, they don't even do current stuff anymore. They go back 8, 10 years about what the church did. So what? <laughs> Can't go back and change that. Gotta be careful of that. And see, same thing with those that teach on the end times a lot of times. 
If all they're doing is teaching on end times, I guarantee you they're making something up. Or they're adding to it, rather. Because there's only so much you can teach on end times. And then they start to go off and drift. No matter who it is, you pick it up. I guarantee you. If, all, if their ministry is focused on end times, I guarantee you they're adding some stuff to it. All right, verse 15. And well, 15, 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, so if one church is getting one thing and another church is getting another thing and another church is getting the truth, then guess what? We become handicapped, right? We, 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 we can't function that way. So it's the same thing with the body. If one of our joints is not acting right, we can't, we can't function like we should. It begins to cause pain. Things like that. So these are things, that's why it's important. Alright, let's go back to Revelation 2. And I forgot to mention when he uh, talks about seduce, I want to give the meaning of seduce. Seduce means to cause to stray to lead astray, lead aside, to lead away from the truth. All right, let's go to uh, verse. Oh, he's still writing. I gotta slow down. All right, verse twenty-one. Look at look, look at God's grace here. The grace of the Lord here. Verse twenty-one. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. See, we got believers thinking they're getting away with the sins that they're committing, but we have to understand the Lord is long-suffering. He's allowing that time to happen because he's giving you an opportunity to repent. And these are things we got to be mindful of. Right? We, we think, we as a people, we think we're getting away with certain sins, but we're not. It's all being recorded. All being recorded. And eventually, it's going to come to light. Like I said, you can fool pastor. You can't fool Jesus. That's right. He knows every one of our hearts. He knows if we're still holding on to unforgiveness. He knows if our attitude stinks. He knows all these things. And I don't know why we as believers, we, we forget that. Again, he has eyes of flame of fire. He knows these things. He can see right through us. So she failed to repent and look at what the Lord says he will do. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. Hold on. Because these health and wealth preachers says God doesn't bring sickness. But he says right here, indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. Some translation, I think King James has bed, but it actually, when you look at the Greek words, it's talking about sick bed, lying down, sick bed. He's saying, because we have to understand, sickness comes in three ways. It comes naturally, because of the result of sin. It can come through the devil, right? We, we, saw, we see that in Job, and we see right here. I will cast her into a sick bed. And watch this. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Right? So, the word tribulation means oppression, affliction, distress, stress. So things are not going to go too well for them. 
unless they repent of their deeds. So he's giving it. So again, this tells us that the hyper grace is not true. Because hyper grace says you don't have to repent. But he's saying you need to repent. He's saying it right here. Verse 23. Oh. I will kill her children with death. This is not her natural children, by the way. These are the ones he was talking about, my servants. Those who are listening to her. I will kill her children with death. I don't know. God don't kill nobody. That's what we hear today, right? God don't kill nobody. Because he's loving, he's, he's full of grace, he's full of mercy. What is he telling the people at Thyatara? The Lord is saying, I will kill her. Not, I'm going to send the devil to kill her. I'm going to kill her. Right? Also, what Micaiah, what I didn't mention, what, what, what uh, the prophet Micaiah went for Ahab and Jehoshaphat, Micaiah gave them a vision that he saw. That the Lord was sitting on the throne. And heaven was all on the left side. All the hosts of heaven was on the left side and the right side. He said, who will go and deceive the king? He's asking, who will go see the, who will go deceive the king? And then one rises up and says, I'll go do it. Lord says, well, how will you do it? He says, well, I am going to send a lying spirit to tell all his prophets on what's going to happen. That, oh, I'm going to tell them that they're going to bring them victory. And the Lord said, that will do it. Go ahead. Hmm. But we don't hear that today. Let's keep going. All right. So I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Thank you. See, we got to stop playing around with the Lord. <laughs> That's right. Not trying to scare you, but I hope you are scared. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, the, we got to stop playing with this stuff, right? And all these, these television evangelists and things like that, you better stop listening to them. About to call some names. <laughs> Right. And I will give, oh, I will give to each one of you according to your works. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you want to go out there, fornicate, and lead praise and worship? You're going to get what you deserve. So again, what Bible are we reading in the church today? Right? What Bible are we reading? But see, when we get to Revelation, what we do is we only focus on Laodicea or Philadelphia. Most people don't even, like you know, I tell you, most people don't ignore Smyrna and all that they had to go through and how the Lord didn't say anything negative about them. Or we go straight to the end with all was, and then everybody's trying to teach it. How about you teach what's right to the seven churches? Verse 24, now to you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. So in other words, you're doing good, but you still got to hold on. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on around us, we still have to hold on. We still have to hold on to the truth. That's the word. This ain't what the song saying. That's the word. 
I'm just expounding on it, but I'm just giving you what the word says. We still have to hold on. So it's not just once saved, always saved. We got to hold on. Verse 26. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. So you have to, we all have to overcome to the end. We have to hold on and we have to overcome. Despite the circumstances, despite the trials, despite the sicknesses, despite the tribulations we all face in this life. We got to hold on. We got to hold on. And, and the good part about it, it's not by our own strength that we hold on. It's by the grace of God. Amen. That's why he told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient. That's right. right? The moment we try to do things ourselves, that's when we fall. Yes, we have this flesh. Yes, it can be hard. But guess what? We still have to have that zeal. We have to have that zeal. We have to stay hungry. Right? And it doesn't mean we're always going to feel His presence. Right? Because there's times where I feel like I can't pray my way out of the paper bag. But I know He's still there. There are times that things don't go well for me. Right? I get upset. I get mad. I, just, I tell you, I love my job. But sometimes they get on my nerves. <laughs> make me do something, make me work something, and I'm like, I get upset about it. Right? But then I gotta go and I gotta calm down. So the that, that's life. Right? With the, with the kids, teenagers, that's life. Right? That's right. Things things happen. <laughs> things happen that don't go our way. But we gotta stop murmuring and complaining. Like I said, there are plenty of Christians that love to be in our shoes. <laughs> right? Because then they won't have to get beat or anything like that anymore. Amen. Alright. Verse 27. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have to have that ear. It's like we, we read before in other church. We have to have an ear to hear. These are things that we have to be mindful of. Right? And, and I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm warning you that you need to stay away from these teachers that are not teaching the truth of the word. Right? Because while there's some good stuff on YouTube, there's a lot of bad stuff. And then we, we sit, and this is how we justify it. Well, yeah, so-and-so, they, um... I know what they say is not right, but they say some good things. <laughs> you know, again, so does every false religion. Right? And we just overlook this stuff. And then we entertain it. Again, you're committing adultery. You're committing adultery. Listen to that. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father God. Amen. 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 So, again, Wednesday, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then we're going to see, um, with that as we go through Corinthians, we're going to see the church today. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see the church today. Amen. It's not what everybody says, Laodicea, no. Just look no further than 1 and 2 Corinthians, the stuff that's taking place in the church. 
It's taking place back then. It's taking place today. Amen. So you all, you know, be encouraged. You know, God's word is real. God is real. The Lord is real. Right. And again, doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect. Right. We're gonna make mistakes. My wife and kids will tell you. I've made plenty. <laughs> I may not agree with them on everything they say, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I made plenty. You know. But, yeah, you know, and, you know, we, we have to have spiritual discernment, right? You know, even as we grow, it's up to all of us to be in prayer and have spiritual discernment, right? Some things may need to be pointed out because, you know, I may be oblivious to some things, right? I'm human, right? Amen. And uh, some things I may not be thinking a certain way, right? But somebody else may be, right? So we got to be on guard for that, right? Because we're going to get people in here. We're, we're going to get people... No worries, it's going to come. We're going to get people that are possessed and things like that, you know. The Lord, the, the, the Lord is in charge. The Lord is in charge, right? So whether or not they're unsaved, right, no matter what lifestyle they may have, right, we still welcome them in because we don't change them. The Word of God changes us, right? So we can't sit up here and point the finger, don't do this, don't do that, you know. And we got to be on guard about it because we as Christians, what we tend to do is, we talk about the unsaved. We talk about these entertainers. and They're just doing what they know to do. They're sinners. Right? What would happen if we didn't talk about them but pray for them? Amen. As a body. What would happen? How many hearts would be changed? Right? But we, 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 don't, we don't do that. We'd rather just talk about them. Right? But really, remember, Paul said we don't judge what goes on out there. We judge what's in the house. Right? So these things, so we talk about those things more than what's taking place in the church. Right? Because there's a lot of sinful things taking place in the church amongst leaders. Right? So, so amongst the leaders, then guess what? The Spirit's going to be passed down to the rest of the congregation. Right? So if, if, if you're in the church and all of a sudden you start getting random thoughts that you know you know I many don't have, then that Spirit's in that church. Right? Not saying it may be the pastor, but it's probably somebody in leadership. 